it's Monday. And this is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet 360. I have no idea why I was that jacked up coming into the show, other than the fact that you made a I think it's me. I think that I bring that out in you. You could. It's it's possibly. It's it's entirely possible. It's Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. The Jays have today off before they start a three-game series in Boston. A little bit of a developing story with the Red Sox about, I don't know, 10 minutes before we came on air. uh, Pete Abraham of the Boston Globe reporting that the Red Sox, who have a, a game this morning against the Minnesota Twins, uh, I'm going to read it. it basically, Pete, a- Pete Abraham of the Globe said the Red Sox may have a developing COVID issue. Several staff members are wearing masks. Uh, staff members who were not before wearing masks. This is significant for two reasons. One, the Jays are the Red Sox next opponent starting Tuesday. And two, the story emerged yesterday, and this is no surprise, but the story emerged yesterday that Tanner Houck will not be accompanying the Red Sox to Toronto when they come here next week because he is not vaccinated. And there are, quote, multiple Red Sox players who aren't vaccinated. Now, I'm not a fan. And be careful how I say this. I'm not necessarily a fan of that kind of reporting if you don't know the names. I don't think you say multiple Red Sox players or multiple Yankees players and and start the feeding frenzy. That's just me. However, that is something we will be monitoring throughout the show. And again, maybe we'll get more news uh, out of the uh, out of the Red Sox camp. The Jays coming off a weekend series win over the Oakland Athletics, finishing it off four three yesterday. Alec Manoa ho hum. Another strong outing, six innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, six strikeouts, two walks. Still not the best Alec Manoa we've ever seen, similar to the start in New York. However, Kevin Barker, the Jays are 18-4 and four in Alec Manoa's starts. This year, the Jays are 6-4. and four. Their losses have come in two starts from Hyunjin Ryu, one from Yusei Kikuchi, who will get the start tomorrow against Nate Uvalde, and the other in Kevin Gossman's first, first start of the year. Big news story out of the weekend is the fact that Hyunjin Ryu has gone on the IL with a forearm with forearm discomfort after a just a mediocre the only other word for it after a mediocre outing uh, his last time out on Saturday um, essentially a non competitive outing from Hyunjin Ryu so lots to talk about. We'll open it to you, the fans, because it is the 10-game mark, and it is an off day. The numbers are 416-870-0590, star 591 590 Wherever you're listening to us or wherever you're watching us, give us a call. Get involved on the discussions, your takeaways from 10 games, your worries, your concerns. Kevin, I'll turn it over to you. Six and four, the Jays have split a series against the Yankees. They've won... There are two other series. They don't have Teoscar Hernandez. Danny Jansen, we've mentioned, is out for a long time. Now Hyunjin Ryu uh, is on the IL. We don't know. We don't know what the upshoot of that'll be. What do you make of the Toronto Blue Jays 
at this point in the season? Well, <laughs> what has surprised you? I'll, I'll rephrase that. I'm sorry. What has surprised you? What has disappointed you? What concerns you? What has surprised me? Well, I think Alec Manoa. I, I, I don't want to go into the season thinking that he, you know the good outings that he was going to have is a surprise. But just look at yesterday. You know, for me, when he started the game, it, it looked like he was purposely going nice and easy with a fluid finish. Wasn't overthrowing, wasn't trying to, you know, hunt velocity like he normally does. Sometimes early in the game, he's getting after it. Like, it's me against you. You're getting my best 93 sank. You're getting my best four-seamer elevated at 94. And I'm going to consistently maintain that throughout the entire game. Yesterday, it just looked to me like he was worried more about movement, late movement, more bite on the slider. Slider was 80, 81 miles an hour. You know, it's normally some, most of the time, 80 in that 83 range. You know, that's, you think that's not a big difference between two or three miles an hour, but for a guy that relies on a lot of swing and misses, he had, what do you have? He had 16 swing and misses yesterday. That's decent. Not great. You know, he had faced 24 batters. He threw 16 strike ones. Is that where it should be? Probably not. If you ask him, I'm, you know, he's probably telling you that, especially early in counts because of how he wants to finish hitters off. That strike one is very important. You know, he, for me anyway, I counted five changeups. He gave up the the. He gave the, up the home run to Stephen Vogt, and he gave up up. the two strike pitch to Kemp, the first battery face. Just right. looked to me like you know, that, that that pitch was a good pitch. Kemp made it, had a good at bad. He he went you know middle the other way with with the swing. Just seems like you know for whatever reason he abandoned that real early, and it looked to me like he he knew that he had to go a little deeper in the game. To conserve energy, it was, okay, I'm, I'm going to rely more on my mechanics early. My finish, he wasn't falling so much off to the, to the first base side the way he normally does because he's trying to force velocity. You know, he wants to get it out there and have it bite, and that's how he gets a lot of swing and misses. That's the scary part. If you're, if you're an opponent against him, you're thinking, man, have we seen the best from him? No, not really. You know, the command of the, of the, fa- of the four-seamer could be better. Strike ones could be better. Uh, you know, uh, more efficient and counts could be better. I mean, action in first three pitches. That That's when you're starting to see the seven, the eight inning outings. And that if you're an opponent and you're facing him, you know, the, the next time he, he pitches, that's one of the things I think you got to, you know, wonder, man, are we going to get the best from him? Offensively, that that's the question, right? Yeah, the one guy that I look at, we continue to talk about how Vladdy's going to be protected. I I just don't I, – I don't know if that's a worry or not other than I think what we saw from Vladdy, umpire got to him a little. Now, the Severino, the 0 for 4 with the, with the four punch outs, I get, Severino just dominated him. Every once in a while you run – even if you're a great hitter, you run into a guy just having a day. He's dotting some things. You know, he has late movement on a secondary pitch. He dominated you. I give Severino that. He dominated Vladdy. I'm not going to say that often. It's probably not going to happen often, but that game it did. Four games since Teoscar hasn't been in a lineup – Two for 15 with seven punches. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, right? That's, and both those hits, by the way, came in one game for what it's worth. Yeah. So it's, you know, you. I think you're back seeing. Back to back, as a matter of fact. <clears throat> yeah. So you're seeing a little bit of maybe pressing, a little bit of he has to be familiar with the pitcher. You're seeing a little of that, too. He takes pitches against guys that he don't know that he normally wouldn't take. And then he, he talks a lot. He'll You see him. He, he When he, yesterday, Never faced that guy before. He he sees pitches. He steps out. He's talking to himself. He's talking to the umpire. So you never see Vladdy do that. Yeah. So he looks. Well, there's to a me, lot of talking to the umpires this well, weekend. That uh, was a. Anyhow, we'll talk about that. I'm yeah. sure the callers will want to have something to say sure. about that. But I think it's you know you're you're seeing guys trying to figure out 
you know, how to attack certain guys, especially early in the season when, you know, they're not real comfortable yet. You know, mechanics are not quite there. They may be pressing. They know Teoscar's not there. You know, they know who needs to step up and who needs to help carry the team. You're seeing a little bit of that from Bo. Bo's a guesser for me. I think that's a lot of what why he occasionally will go through some hiccups is he guesses too much. Like he'll go up. Why I say that is how much they miss secondary pitches. That'll tell you a little bit why he's getting geared up for a certain pitch. He gets another pitch. He still takes the weak swing. He misses pitches by feet. That'll tell you he's guessing a little bit. He'll figure it out. That they Great hitters usually do. They go through some times where – they're, they're overthinking some things. They're, they're not right mechanically. They're, you know, they're, their head's moving a little bit too much. And, again, they face guys they never faced before. So you have to figure out ways to do that. So surprise, maybe a little surprise that the offense is not clicking, I think, the way it should probably be clicking. Runners in scoring position is not, not very good. good. Well, that's, that, too, is a lot of luck. You know, you got to have the right guy at the right time. That guy's got to be hot when he comes up. You know, Bo's struggling a little bit. Vladdy's what we just mentioned the last four games, two for 15 with seven strikeouts. He's no struggling. Teo. No Teoscar. Uh, no no Danny Jansen, who was hot. Now you're filling in the blanks with the Kirks and, uh, you know, and, and the Tapias. You know, I, I, I'm, it makes me wonder, right, when you when you have a lineup with, with early in the season, eight games in, your leadoff hitter, DH is on Thursday, doesn't play on Saturday. No Teoscar, no Danny Jansen. That'll make you wonder. Like, that'll make you, are, are, you know, well, you know are, what I'm thinking. Are people behind the room read, re- reading what's going on and seeing what's right in front of them? Or it's just, you look so much long-term and you have these games all planned out. And no matter what, you're not going to change your plan. Just sometimes to make you scratch your head. Because now all of a sudden, you know, when you don't have your cleanup hitter and you don't have protection for your best hitter, and your number two hitter struggling the way they are, and you give your leadoff hitter, who is probably the best leadoff hitter in baseball, a day off, eight games in, or that'd be the ninth game that he gave him off, especially after he DH'd on Thursday. It sometimes just make you really scratch I mean, your it head could, and, it, and yell it, and scream at the TV. It, it could be. It could be that the Jays, that the gap between the Jays' three starting pitchers and – Ryu, who's now hurt, and Kikuchi is so big that you know if you if you can win a series, you win a series. I said said this earlier. I'm not saying you punt on a game, but we've seen a couple of things. We've seen the Jays manage Kikuchi and Ryu starts differently than they manage Gossman, Manoa, and um, uh, and and uh, Barrios. and Barrios starts. I mean, throw out Barrios' first start. I know you're looking at me. I'm just saying. Uh, they, they they manage those starts a little more differently. Julian Merriweather's pitching in a tied game on Saturday. The ninth inning gives it up. And I know, and we can talk about. Experienced catcher. If I've got an umpire who's given, given me 10 inches off the plate as a strike. I ain't setting up down the middle. I'm not setting not up down the middle. And the A's figured that out. Uh, why would you? Force feeding, right? The right, there outside right, outside You're right. You're going to give it to me. It's easier for I'll me to get Vladdy out. I'll be it's greedy. Easier for me to give Bo out. Anyhow, so we'll see. So you say they're they you you say that they don't go if I if I don't put George Springer in a lineup now I have Tapia, Kirk, a struggling Kirk, a Collins, and a Zimmer all in the lineup at the same time. That I think that's okay. And now I have a pressing Bo Bichette. I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who, you know, I mean, is human, my pri- a human being. The only thing is I look at that and I look at the <laughs> matchup and go, really? 
You know, that's it's the Oakland Athletics. You're not getting their best starting pitchers. I, I'm just saying, I, I think, I don't know if that'll work over the course of a year, but I think until the Jays have a read on, you say, Kikuchi, um, you know, and you mentioned this, I think it's the same reason they're shifting so much. I think they're shifting so much because... Pitching's not good. Pitching's not yet. It's not where it needs to be yet, is the way I would put it. Just a thought. I don't know. Could be wrong. Again, though. That's an educated guess by you. That's a good one, too. You win series. That's a Just good keep one. Winning, keep winning I, series. I, th- I think fluke out the odd, fluke out the odd I'm, one. I'm with you when you're talking about the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays. You try and win series. But when you're facing Oakland and Texas, you try and sweep yeah. series. And why you would... T- you just DH'd yeah, yeah. your leadoff hitter on Thursday. You uh, gave him the day off on Saturday. Maybe, you know, maybe one of the strength tests. Did he play showed. a ton in spring training? He should be well rested, Jeff. Want to talk a little bit about Lourdes Gurriel Jr., uh, who had a uh, sack fly, two runs scored, including driving and, and drove in the first run of the game yesterday, two for three with a sack fly. We talked about the absence of Teoscar Hernandez, Kevin Barker, in four games without Teoscar. You're right. Vladdy is not. Vladdy's two for 15 with seven Ks and one strikeout. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, in those games is, ha- has, ha- has, has, I think, has held his own. I think he's held his own. Gurriel, seven and 13 in those games. Now, the power hasn't necessarily been there, but he has made contact. He has driven in runs. You know, we saw on, uh, was, it, was it Friday where he was intentionally walked? Or I'm sorry, where where Vladdy was Vladdy, yeah, Vladdy was intentionally walked, yeah, and uh, yeah, Friday Vladdy was intentionally walked, and Guriel came up and doubled. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think I think Guriel, who is a guy that I said at the start of the year, I expect to see take a big step forward this year because of his September. I think Guriel's kind of answered the bell moving up into that position. I know I, I you know we presume Teoscar's going to be back at some point uh, at some point soon. Certainly there's you know we haven't really heard I haven't really heard an indication that there's a great amount of concern about his about his his oblique. Um it's too tough to tell when it comes to this it, kind of thing. It is. It's ultimately we'll need to see him take batting practice and see what it's like. He's got like negative two percent body fat too. Well, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Sometimes you want a little. You want a little. Eat a cheeseburger. It's okay. Every now and then you want a cheeseburger. <laughs> They'll be afraid. But Teoscar comes back. Do you do you think that you've seen enough out of this lineup to suggest that with the return of Teoscar, I know you're going to talk about you want a left-handed hitter. A, a good left-hand hitting second baseman, which are hard to find. But yeah. when when Teoscar comes back, how do you see? Could a guy like Guriel actually profit from being moved into the cleanup spot? Then Teoscar comes back, replaces him. Like, can that is that the type of thing that can get a guy going? Get a guy like Guriel? Yeah, going I don't think so. You, you know, I think we too should stop talking about Lourdes when he does go through some good streaks. Like it's a giant surprise. Lourdes is a really good hitter. Is he a great hitter? Probably not. You know, he's long armed. Uh, he is a tall hitter. He's made some adjustments. He's you know he's eliminated a, a little bit of his lower half. There's a lot less movement to it. Uh, he is thinking more right center, which I think is a big deal for him because that that adds and and gives you the mindset of where you're 
direction of your hands you want them to go. And, you know, he has enough of all the things that it takes to be a really good hitter, hand-eye coordination, enough bat speed. Uh, he can create backspin, which is what you want with, with shifts and where the infielders play and that guy up the middle. Uh, you know, it's – I think sometimes this will put urgency to a player that is a, you know, a notorious slow starter mm. to say you've got to get this going. Like <laughs> enough of the waiting around. And that may, you know, his off-the-field work, that may put a little bit more of, you know, we've got to be a little quicker with these kind of things. And I'm sure that's what's happened here. But he's a good hitter. These 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 hot streaks that he goes through doesn't surprise me, and I you know I I know he knows that <clears throat> where he's hitting and who he needs to try and protects the wrong word. He's not a protector, you know. He he is a he is a he is a finisher when it comes to the the guys in front of him. We're going to get on base. They're going to do their thing. They're carriers. He just go come up and finish it, and that's what I think he's trying to have the mindset of doing right now. Do you think that maybe the the issues with the Jays' offense? that we are seeing, do they in any way, do they in any way go back to the fact, Kevin, that spring training was compressed this year, that it wasn't a normal spring training. It started late. We and a lot of people have focused on the impact on pitching as a result of the, of, of that spring, because I think we all, operate under the assumption that the only reason spring training really exists is to get the pitchers ready for the season. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if maybe what we're not seeing here early with the Blue Jays is the fact that it's going to take a while for the hitting to get going. In other words, the hitters may not be as far ahead of the pitchers as we thought they were or would be. Or is that just, do you think that's just an excuse? Yeah, See, I, I'm 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 on the same side too that I think we make that excuse about the pitching about the okay. short and spring training. That's fair. But but again, we talked to enough pitchers and enough and enough pitching coaches that it's probably has a lot to do with it when it comes to breaking ball, the command of it, the bite to it, the flow of the game. And even Alec Manoa came on our show and said that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a I rhythm it's and timing rhythm. thing. It's a rhythm and timing thing of getting it going and knowing that if you feel it, you'll know where it goes. And it's it has a lot to do with for secondary hitter, pitches. It? Isn't hitting, think, about, think, isn't hitting a bit about rhythm and timing I think as well? It is, I think it is for the Collins, the Kirks, the okay. Simmers, the, 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 the people that are not superstars. And maybe you can throw Lourdes in there because of how long his arms are and how that's a big-time timing thing. If the lower half is in sync, everything else is going to follow, and the path of the hands will go where they're supposed to go. So I think you can throw him in there. But Bo, for me, he's a guesser. When you don't face a ton of guys that you know a lot about, you tend to guess too much, and that's, I think, what you're seeing a little bit from him. And I hate to tell everybody, but Vlad is a human being. We, we try to put him on planet Pluto because Pluto. he's, well, he's better than everybody else. And, you know, planet look at Vlad way up there, and then there's everybody else. He's going to go through some two-for-fifteens with seven punches because he's a human being. And I, you know, I don't think it has anything else to do with – I do think, though, from what I saw, he don't like that umpire thing because what that does is – you know what it does? I can just remember this with experience. I know that when I took a pitch that I know for a fact was a ball and that dude called it a strike. Now, all of a sudden, it had nothing to do with him. It's doubt. Is it a ball? And now I start thinking about the next time I get the exact same pitch. Do I take it or do I swing at it? And I'm in between. And when I'm in between, I have, you know, I don't have as good a swing as I normally have. And that puts me in a little bit of a fun. We saw him chase a couple of pitches in the Oakland series. 
We saw him chase one on Saturday that I absolutely 130% comes down to the fact that he looked at a pitch that he knew was a ball. It was called a strike. And at that point, Vladdy's looking to do some damage. And if you're not going to get a walk, you've got to swing. And, and, and I think that's, listen, I I think that I I don't get involved with hammering umpires for the most part. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I do think it all, it generally it all works out. But Saturday's game was an abomination. Right? Jeff Nelson, 68% called strike accuracy. 86% overall accuracy. Everybody has a bad day. I get it. But to literally miss, think about that. You're missing a third of the called strikes. You are messing that up. One way or another, you're messing it up. 68% called strike accuracy. Yeah, that's, that's sort of hard to believe it. A guy's been umpiring at the big league level since 96 would would oh, miss been, calls like yeah, that. He's been around forever. Uh, forever. You would think, you know, you should know a little bit better. It's like, and it's, Jay's it's like fans, it's almost, of course, remember well, him as the guy. Purpose. Jay's fans remember him as the guy that had the plate in that game against Kansas City with Ben Revere at the plate. Where yeah, I think the pitch you're talking about, too. Yeah, the the that call and I think the pitch you're talking about with Vladdy is the, the cement mix and breaking ball yeah. early in the count. Those are swing counts. Yes. Uh, Vladdy is such a good hitter that and and he's being game planned so much of how they're trying to get him out. Is it in off the plate with power and sink? Is it a, a way off the plate with four seamers down and away? Is it you know, cement mix and breaking balls and fastball counts. They're thinking of so many different ways to try and get him out. And then he takes a pitch like that and it's almost like I'm on a defense instead of on being on the attack. Right. And you don't want a guy like Vladdy being that way. And I think he got in his head a little bit. And these are things that Vladdy's going to have to go through. For me, that had nothing to do with protection or guys hitting around him. That's just, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you know, your age is shown. And that's sort of what it was. That At least that series a little bit. And Yeah, I, I look, the whole, the whole umpire's missing, missing calls thing. It, when it really bothers me, well, it bothers me when it's a, as egregious as it was Saturday, but when it really bothers me is it affects the game by changing the way the hitters, by forcing the hitters to change the way they're going to approach what they have to do. And I don't mind, hey, listen, if, if you're given a, a little bit of a wide strike zone, okay, that's fair. You know, you see guys step out early in the games. Is that, is that today's zone? Is that where the zone is? The umpire says yes. Guys go, cool, okay, mm-hmm. I know that. But come on, there, there, there's a limit. Can't be big on both sides of the plate, is what you're saying. No. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's and Vladdy's point in the conversations I'm sure he was having with Jeff Nelson is make them earn it. We, we, we know, yeah, exactly. We, we, I don't want to tell you, but you know who the best hitter on this team is. Uh, we know how they're trying true. to get us out. Make them earn it. 416 870 uh, we are going to take your calls in the first hour. Dan Shulman joins us at 11 o'clock. Tony Maserati, who uh, is now part of the Red Sox broadcast crew, will join us at 1130. We'll get you set for that three-game series between the Red Sox and the Jays. Starts tomorrow. You say Kikuchi against Nate Uvalde, Jose Barrios against Nick Pavetta, Kevin Gossman against uh, Tanner Houck in the series finale. So Tony Maserati will join us at 11.30. Maybe by then we'll have a little more info on, on whether or not there is any developing story with the Red Sox. 
when it comes to COVID-19. The Oakland Athletics were forced to make some moves as a result of COVID-19 coming ahead of this series. Sorry, that catcher Kevin Ploiecki has COVID-19? Okay, so catcher Kevin catcher Kevin Ploiecki has tested positive for COVID-19 and two staffers. That's why the Red Sox... You know, he is vaccinated. Okay, that's interesting because Kevin Ploiecki was one of the players who was not vaccinated in spring training and said he was, he anticipated that he would be vaccinated before going to Toronto. So Kevin Ploiecki has tested positive for COVID-19 with the Red Sox, two staffers. That explains why they are wearing masks or while they're masking up in Boston today. 416-870-0590. Thank you for that, Lance. 416-870-0590, star 590 one triple eight six zero five ninety. Your concerns, your worries with the Red Sox and Jays coming up. You want to talk about umpiring? Why not? That was certainly a topic of discussion this weekend. We do have some thoughts on what baseball might be able to do about that. I don't expect that they'll do it, but we have some ideas on what Major League Baseball can do uh, with with the umpiring. So. It's Blair and Barker for a Monday on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the Jays are off today. They'll start a three-game series against the Boston Red Sox tomorrow at Fenway Park. Uh, Thursday is a uh, is it a three oh seven start? Is there some such nonsense like that, which means we'll be on a little earlier? Take a look at the schedule. I should have it. I had it in front of me at some point, but it was lost as you were trying to. So give it's me a one thirty-five game. Oh well, there you go. So it's one thirty-five. So we'll be on before the uh, before the show before the game, and then we'll take twenty-eight calls is a three oh seven game. Okay. So we'll be on Thursday before the game. And as always, we'll be on Blue Jays talk immediately following the game to walk you off the cliff or maybe push you off the cliff. <laughs> Depends on the mood I'm in. So far, we haven't pushed anybody no, off the good. cliff. It's been good. It's been good. Yes. So far, we haven't Colors had to push. Great. You know, although I, 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 God, I really do wish, folks, we are wasting way too much oxygen on Kevin Biggio. Oh. Like we are. We are. We just are. <laughs> Somebody said to me in social media, give the kid a chance. He's not a kid. He's had a chance. He is what he is. Stop it. Kevin Biggio is not going to have a say in whether or not the Jays win the AL East or lose the AL East. He's just not. He's not. Yeah. I can't add anything to that. 416-870-0590, star 591 But if you want to talk about Kevin Vigil, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you from doing it. It's just that. Why? Jimmy in Hinton, Alberta. Jimmy in Hinton, Alberta will join us. You want to talk about Matt Chapman? Yes, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. What's up, Jimmy? Uh, Matt Chapman. Um, so, uh, first, uh, strength and best wishes to Buck. Yes, sir. Matt Chapman, his value. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Buck and Tabby do the red star thing, uh, right? Yep. So I don't have the means to do it, but I'm sure you guys do count up all the red stars from third base at last year and then count them up at the end of this year. There's Matt Chapman's value. 
Yep. He makes everybody better from the pitchers to the infielders to the outfielders. He makes everybody on the team better. He's a defense. He's, listen, he's, a defensive, he's a defensive game changer. He's a weapon, Jimmy. He is a defensive Absolutely. weapon. Yep. And he's going to run into 30 home runs. Yep. Who's going to be on base for those? He's going to have Guerrero. Tay Oscar, he's going to have, these are going to be two, three run home runs we're talking about. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. It's funny you you mentioned that. No, it's funny you mentioned that because he, uh, I put the number down here and I can't find it now. Matt Chapman had, I think like 20 of his home runs last year were solo shots. Mm -hmm. Somebody said the vast majority of his home runs were solo shots. And you're absolutely right, Jimmy. He's going to come up with dudes on base. He ain't getting a lot of solo homers in this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if I can touch on something for sure. Pitchcom real quick, and then yes. you guys can get into this. Uh, I've never watched a basketball game in my life, but I, I see on TV that they, when they're at the free throw line, they're they're trying to distract that thrower as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, Pitchcom, they seem to be having problems hearing. When we're at home, I'm pretty sure the Jays fans can make noise, make them go back to the signs, take that weapon away from them. That's a funny them. point. Mm. That hey, Jimmy, thank at home. The worst Jays fans. Like, you know what? We can do this. Yeah, that that's a hell of a point. Mm-hmm. It, it's like you're. It's almost like you're at your the home crowd at an NFL game, and oh, yeah, the, and the quarterbacks, and and you make it hard for the quarterback to to bark out the signals. That's an interesting point. It's something I know that when they were looking at Pitchcom, they had talked about. They had talked about making sure that the volume. This, it's kind of stupid, but keep in mind that this is something the Tampa Bay Rays were talking about. The Rays wanted to make sure that the volume was loud enough that their players could hear it, but not too loud that the other team could hear it, especially in Tampa where they got like 7,000. It's like playing in a garbage can. So yeah. there, there are a lot of kinks here in the system that need to be worked out. That's a hell of an idea. That though. That's a hell Jimmy's of an all idea. Over it. That's it. I think you're onto something there, Jimmy. Thanks yeah. for the call. Yeah. So there you go. Jimmy's suggestion, because you're noisy anyhow, give it all you got in a in a in a big, big point spot. of the game. Mm-hmm. Make as much noise as you can. Bring noisemakers. Yeah. Bring horns and maybe I maybe shouldn't go that far. Cowbells and stuff. And a big point of the game. Just go nuts. Just go nuts and force the team to go away from using pitchcom and going back to signals. The whole Pitchcom thing is going, it's going to be a great story this year. I know Buck was asked yesterday by Dan Schulman if he thought we would ever see a time where teams were forced to use it. And he said he didn't, he didn't think that was, that was the case, that it would, be, it would be voluntary for the most part, which it is right now. We know some guys are using it, some guys aren't. Alec Manoa is very clear. Alec Manoa was on our show, remember? He said, I'm a visual learner. Yep. Alec Manoa doesn't want pitch comp. Alec Manoa wants old-fashioned R- rhythm, rhythm and timing. Rhythm and he timing. W- he wants the little rock on the mound. He exactly. wants to get gathered, all the yeah. things that go into Alec Manoa isn't worried about pace of play. He, he's not worried about wanting Still to speed signs, up the game. That's going to be different with a runner on second base, and they'll mix things up, and they'll figure out that part of it. Right. But it, you want that pitcher to be comfortable, especially yep. one of your better pitchers. I mean, I, listen, I like pitch comp. I think, I think they should make it mandatory because it's kind of odd to have some mandatory guys do strong. it. strong. Some guys that's don't. strong. I just, you know, you're, I, I guess it, it, really, it really doesn't matter. If, it, if it, At the end of the day, the idea is can you make the game faster? 
And if you make the game faster for four or five pitchers every game, and you got one guy that doesn't use it, you're still making the game faster. So I, I, I guess that's the point. Listen, and, and Jimmy's point about Matt Chapman, um, I just think Matt Chapman, I'll say it again, he's a defensive weapon. I'll take what I can get from him offensively. I'm, I think I'm going to get a lot of doubles. I'm going to get yeah. a lot of home runs. And you know what I, what I like so far, what I like is he seems to be in the middle of a lot of stuff that happens offensively, right? Even like, you know, that, that fielder's choice, the E6, he, he's in the middle of a lot of stuff, which I need out of my glove guy. I can't, as good as this team is offensively, I just can't yeah, yeah. carry a guy purely because he's a defensive player. I need a guy who can at least contribute offensively. I listen. I think Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman's come as advertised for me. Yeah, yeah. Let's be let's be honest. We talk about why they're they're doing all the shifts. Well, they can do them because of Matt Chapman. Correct. They're going to take away a lot of hits to right field because Matt Chapman's taking care of left. He's taking care of 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 second to third. They're going to take away a lot of stuff to right field. There you go. Offensively, I think change of scenery will be very good for him. That's what I think the benefit of him coming over here and behind the scenes, the way the, the, all the analytics and everything that goes into hitting and how much fun they make it. You know, even the scoreboard after games of how, you know, the pitches you take, the pitches you swing at, the pitches you hit hard, and they grade each hitter, and they make it sort of a competition. They Like we heard Teoscar in spring training was happy. Look at me. I'm leading the board. Yeah. And then you even have minor leaguers coming over and seeing if they're where they rank. So they're trying to make it fun. And fun leads to good competition. 416-870-0590, star 591 This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet 360. Eddie and Fort Erie, you've got your disappointments and surprises for us. Yes, I do, uh, Jeff, and uh, how's it going, Kevin? Uh, I, too, want to pass along my best for uh, for Buck Martinez as well. Thank you very much. Yep. Uh, my disappointments, first of all, well, obviously you you set it up, uh, Kevin Biggio, but the, the reason I say Biggio is because when the season started, and you guys mentioned about him and Esmail being a platoon, I thought to me Biggio was going to be the wild card of this lineup because he was going back to second base, He was and he was going to be the Kevin Biggio that we know, the great plate discipline and the great uh, ball-to-bat to skills that he has going to gap-to-gap gap with his hips. But he hasn't had it yet, and that's why he's you know sitting on the bench a lot, and I'm a little bit worried about that for him because that's when I've been playing and, and, and all his vision going to do was he going to play outfield and pinch run. Like I'm a little bit worried about that. Yeah. Now, but I mean, up- but Eddie, I'm just going to jump in here that, I mean, that's what he is. Like, he, you know, we, we know this now we know what Kevin Biggio is. He is a 24th or 25th guy in your roster. He just is. And that's not bad. Guys have long careers doing that. Okay. I, I understand. I understand. Now my, my other one is a uh, Ryu and it, it's yes. kind of related to the, it's kind of related to the injury that he has for me, this injury is kind of bad for, for the blue Jays because he's got two years left on his deal. And you don't know how long he's going to be out. If this is going to be a long-term thing, if this would have happened in, in his final year of his contract, that would have been okay. But the fact they have two years left on it, this one and next year, that's a little bit, uh, well, worrying for me anyway. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but that's just me. Now my surprise is uh, for me by default is Kevin Gossman. And the reason I say Gossman is because when he signed that contract, that five-year deal, everyone was surprised because he was doing so well in the National League, being with the Giants. He doesn't have to go to those 
big ball, uh, uh, sorry, those little ballparks in the AL East and what have you. But for me, when he signed that contract for the Blue Jays to come back to the AL East, it was a challenge he was willing to accept. And that start against the Yankees kind of gave me the idea of, you know what, maybe he's going to be mm-hmm. okay. And, and I felt like he probably deserved better. And if there's one in that start, and if there's one matchup that I'm watching for him against the Red Sox this Thursday, it's him against Rafael Devers. How many violent swings have we seen Devers take on pitches oh, yeah. when he's at the plate? A lot of it. Imagine how Devers will handle that split finger fastball going to the dirt this Thursday. Kind of screams oblique, doesn't it? It oh, does. I'll say that. Thanks, Eddie. Eddie, great, good call. Yeah, I'm I just going to jump in in the Ryu thing uh, for a minute. I think we know enough about this ownership group and this front office. I mean, I just don't care about Hyunjin Ryu's contract. It, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even enter my mind. If Hyunjin Ryu never throws another pitch for the Blue Jays, it's not going to have an impact on what this team does or doesn't do. We've already seen that this front office and this ownership group is willing to spend money. I guarantee you at no point, at no point, at no point will the Jays be looking at a decision and say, ah, we can't do it because we owe Ryu all this money. I just don't, I don't think that's the way this team is wired. And look, I'll tell you what, Kevin, if all I'm going to get out of Ryu is what I got out of the first two starts, You'd rather have somebody else start? I'd rather have somebody else start. And if I have to put him in the IL so that he's going to help me at some point down the road, fine. Yeah, that, that's that's the question is how they fill that spot. How, how can they not kill the bullpen? Like his first two starts, they use nine bullpen arms. At Ross Stripling, they use five bullpen arms. Like that's how do you, you know, again, this is going to put more pressure on guys in the rotation around that one spot. You say Kikuchi, what are you getting from him? You know, it's, it's 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 one thing not worrying about the two years left of Ryu. It's another thing to not worry about that on top of it, the three-year 36 that, but, that but you just gave. What I will you. say what I will say about that, though, Kevin, is we know what the problem with Kikuchi is. The velocity is there. We know that it's a matter of getting him to refine his pitch selection and throw his fastball more. If you do that, I'm not saying you say Kikuchi's going to win the Cy Young Award, but if you do that, you are going to have a good fourth starter. I am not in a panic button stage with Kikuchi yet. I'm yeah. just not. I need to see five or six starts from him. I need to. I saw start against the Yankees. I saw the velo. Okay, that was good. That's what I needed to see. I didn't see that before. I saw his velocity. I'm fine with that. I'm going to let that go. I mean, as for Ryu... You know, look, at some point, you've got to think Nate Pearson is back here. And I think they've got enough there that they can put something together with, with, with Stripling and Pearson or, you know, maybe find somebody else to come in. I, I'm not worried about covering the reuse starts as long as I don't have to also cover for Kikuchi. So I guess what I'm saying is let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what happens with Kikuchi in the next couple of starts. Be a nice test for him against the Red Sox, whether he wants to establish and to righties. That's the whole point. That's why they moved him on the rubber, to make that lane a little easier. For when it comes out of the hand, that's a straight line. Yep. It's not a, It's not trying to angle that. He's not in the crossfire, none of that kind of stuff. You want that straight line to where you can have the ball go, go where you want. But it's the stop shaking part that I think is a little concerning. Of He loves shaking to something else. Now, whether that could be, you know, he's not on the same page with the catcher. He didn't have confidence. Whatever it is, you need conviction. Like, you put the finger down, he's getting it, he's going. That, I think, is where 
they want him to give. This is a guy who couldn't get anybody out in the second half of the year and was dropped from a, from the roster, essentially. Not dropped from the roster, but was basically tossed to the side by the Seattle Mariners. Um, and then, of course, they didn't exercise the option on him. I can see where you say Kikuchi's dauber would be down. I can see where he'd lack confidence. Well, I think he should be confident enough he just got 36 large. I mean, yeah, that should give him a little bit of confidence. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. That, well, no. I mean, it, it should be. It's a lot of money to give a number five guy. But the point is, the point you, is that he, we stop talking about the money. It's about the the process of yeah. when you see him on the mound. Well, you're the one who always brings up Kikuchi's salary. I don't care about Kikuchi's salary. I really well, don't. Well, again, that's it, not, it's not, I, I, it's I, like I, Ryu. It's not going to have an impact. Like we're not, we can't, we're, it, it's like, we're still living in the past. We're, oh my God. The Jays are going to have to swallow $5 million. Oh my God. That's going to impact. No. Ownership has shown it can do that. Stop worrying about the money. If you want to worry about money, worry about how the hell Bo and Vladdy are going to get paid. Don't worry about yeah. the other stuff. But if, you, if you're a rich guy, you don't want to see, keep making the same mistake over and over again. That, that's basically what that comes down you to. You know, in baseball, the, show me a team. Show me a team that isn't sucking the hind tit in a bad contract right now. Show me a team yeah, that isn't. No, there can Every be, team there can in be baseball. One of them. Just not multiple. I'm not even saying that's the case because the stuff's there. You just need to trust your stuff and and do it with some conviction. The short little porch in Boston with some right-handed hitters is going to be the test for him. Is he going to shake away from that or is he going to go, I trust my good stuff. I know it. If I get it in there, I'm getting you out. Bob and Bowmanville. You want to talk a little Yankees. I'm always ready for that. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) Um, so coming into the season, uh, you know, so far so good on the, on their pitching, both starters and um, relievers. But I'm not fully sold on the starters. You know, Cole struggled some here. Severino, you know, so far so good. I think Montgomery's a fairly solid number three, four guy. I'm not fully sold on Tyone myself. And if you saw the stat line on Nestor Cortez Jr. yesterday, what a wasted performance, unfortunately, yeah. there, right? Um I had read some stuff in preseason about them being interested in guys like Manaya and Montez from Oakland, and I know Manaya's been since traded and such. But um, any truth to that? Like, was there any? Sure. I know you guys absolutely, have yeah, yeah. They've been all over. They've been all over every every pitcher in the market for the most part. Oh, have they? Okay. Well, it's just those two guys I was reading, and again, I would have preferred to have Manaya as the lefty, but. Um, I tell, yeah, tell I you what, man. Because there's Oakland with their every three-year sell-off kind of thing, right? So yeah. how long is he going to be there type well, of thing? you know, I, th- I think what happened, Bob, is, you know, the, the, A's, the A's realized that there was a feeding frenzy for pitching. And I think the A's were smart because they said, we'll trade one of our guys now. Like, <laughs> you're going to get something for Frankie Monta, uh, whenever, Montas whenever you make that deal. Yep. If you're the A's... You're probably going to get more if you hang on to him a bit and move him closer to the trade probably. deadline. And you also give your own rotation because you got to put the team in the field. Mm-hmm. You also give your own guys a little bit of breathing room. So I mean, he'll, he'll be eventually moved. Look, I think the Yankees is going to come down to if Severino is healthy. If he stays healthy, they're uh-huh. going to they're going to be a beast. Bob, Bob you I said, don't care about Jamison Tyon if I, he's healthy. I'm with I'm with Jeff. But Bob, let me ask you, what do you think about their athleticism on the defensive side? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, no, it could be better. I mean, um, you know, who knows with injuries with Hicks, for instance, in mm-hmm. center, right? Yeah. Um, I'm okay. You know, I'm more than okay with Judge and Wright. Yeah, you know, Stanton, I don't consider him much of an outfielder in all honesty. You know, Gallo, yes, 
okay, I guess. Infield, I don't mind the infield. So, I mean, there's still a lot of strike, uh, swing and miss stuff on that lineup, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they're yesterday's game, and I'm sitting there going, "Are you kidding me?" Right, so, uh, Bob. I got to tell you though, I mean that that, uh, and we got to move on. Thanks, Bob. We got we got to move on to another caller. Um, I mean that bullpen is still it's nasty. It's nasty, and they'll figure Chapman out. Like that'll 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 get worked out. Yeah. That doesn't, and if that gets worked out, uh, I mean that's I. I look, I uh, be the first to put my hand up. I really was asleep in their bullpen. Me too. Coming out of spring I training, think a lot of people I really were. was. Yeah. And a lot of people you, were. And then when you see them, when you see them in cons, on consecutive days or three days or four days as we saw them in a series, and you see the arms coming out. Yeah. And you go, uh, you know, Clay Holmes and, and, and Chad Green, and you see these guys come out and you go, and, and you brought Miguel Castro up and I rolled my eyes because who the hell is Miguel Castro? That's Slider? It's got 99 with Sank. Yeah. To add that to the mix in the, in the sixth and seventh inning. The, the one thing that I say, and I'm going to say this with, with sort of laughter, is how they manufacture runs. And I'm not talking about bunting or hitting running. I'm talking about going first, third, first to home, that kind of thing. Do they, they don't have a bunch of guys that can do that. No. And when you're not hitting homers and you can't string together four or five hits in an inning to score runs, how do you, you know, you sort of hit that long single in the left center field when the center fielder's playing over in the gap. How do you go first to third, first to home? I don't think they have a bunch of guys that can do that. That's the one thing for me with the Yankees, that if you're a Yankees fan, will make you wonder how they do it. 416-870-0590, star 591, 888-666-059. We have a few minutes left to take calls. Greg in Toronto, you want to talk about umpires. Finally, I thought this place would be... We'd have to put flame retardant stuff in here with the uh, the umpiring we saw this weekend. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I, I just uh, uh, watching baseball since the big red machine. Um, I I've noticed the last few years uh, it seems to be more defiant. You know, I I like I like the human aspect of umpires. Mm-hmm. I don't like electronic shit. Um, pardon the expression. Um, That's okay. But I'll let it go. Uh, I I I see it more as I mean it used to be you know men arguing over something in the game, right? And now it's it's defiant. It it just looks defiant to me. They look disconnected. Point. Yeah, listen. So, uh, that's that, that's that that that's my that's my look on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Greg, listen. Th- yeah. I, look, uh, I I'm sure we're both old enough to remember. You know, Joe West, well, it's not so long ago, Joe West was umpiring. He just retired last year. Joe West could be a defiant guy. I, I mean, a lot of those guys, Eric, Greg, you go mm-hmm. you go all the way back. But there was, there was a, I'll say this. I don't know if defiance were, there is kind of an arrogance now with oh. some umpires that I, I, I didn't, it, I didn't see it in the past. I, I, you, and and you know what it seems like? It seems like the bad umpires are the most are the most arrogant ones. Um, I think look, I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's because you know back in the day we used to, people used to go out and you go drinking with umpires on the road. You run into an umpire on the road. Writers always did. You run into an umpire on the road. They're always hanging around the bar. Well, I know a couple of players that used to go drinking with umpires on the expos. And you'd run into an umpire on the road. They'd be in the bar. You'd have a couple of beers, and everybody would get along. And and. And, and including some of the guys, yeah, I have been out with Joe West. Joe West is, yeah, he, he is what he is. But you, you didn't get the sense that there was a, that, that there was the same sort of 
I don't know, edginess. It's just, it's, it's different now. And I think part of the problem is, I'm going to say this for the umpire. The umpires back then didn't have the technology that we have, right? They didn't have the little box in the TV set. So the strike zone could be this wide and nobody would notice. That's what you're saying? People would notice, but it, it, it wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't go between innings and have a box and show a screen that has seven balls 35 feet off the, the, out of the zone that were called home plate, which you're getting now every time, every pitch. The box is there. Umpires are being guessed on every pitch, which is fine. I mean, that's the way it is. But I I, I, I got to say this. I got to say this. We are eventually going to have an electronic strike zone. We got to stop calling it robo-umps because the umps are going to be behind the home plate. They are going to be making balls and strike calls based on what the electronic strike zone tells them, based on what they're fed into a receiver. I really think until that happens... Major League Baseball has to do what some European soccer leagues do. If you have a bad game, then you miss your next turn. Right now, the quote-unquote punishment for umpires is that postseason assignments are withheld from umpires who are bad. That's apparently the case. And if you notice how many times Angel Hernandez pops up in the postseason, or Jeff Nelson, a lot of real bad umpires show up in the postseason and that's when they're supposed to be, quote-unquote, paying the price for lousy decision-making. I would rather see an umpire given a baseline grading. And when, again, I look at Jeff Nelson. I look at Jeff Nelson's numbers. And this is that umpire scorecard thing. But it's pretty, it, it, it's pretty reflective. 86% overall accuracy, 88% overall consistency. So not only did you suck, you weren't consistent. 68% called strike accuracy. At that point, I'm looking at this guy and saying, you know, maybe we're gonna maybe we're gonna pull you out of out of the rotation for ne- the next week. Maybe you need to go and do some video work. They do it in others. Hey, soccer, you have a bad game, boom. You're down, man, you're down coaching or you're yeah, down yeah. refereeing in the lower level the next week. I have no problem with that. I I, I think people that think that no umpires that. haven't had an attitude forever hasn't been paying attention to baseball. I've stood in the box. Yeah, but the difference is now we can see how bad they are. We couldn't before, Kevin. We couldn't before. Now we can see. It's really easy to 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 handle this, at least from my point of Stick view. Stick them in front, front of a microphone and ask them why they were bad. Well, Make them answer for it. Can't do Stop that, that attitude. Game. Why can't you? It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.